Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. It's the What If Podcast. We're back in your ear holes. My name is Ryan. Yo, Ryan. Hi, Spencer. What's happening? What up, Crump? Not much, man. Hanging low. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> it's great to be back, man. It's uh, St. Patty's. It is St. Patrick's Day today. I sure is. I forgot all about all of that business. Or it's uh, Wednesday, the 22nd of March, maybe? Or any day there in the future. In, in, your, in your head, it's Wednesday, the 22nd of March. But in mm-hmm. our heads, it might just be St. Patrick's Day. Sure is. Time's an illusion, man. True. Yeah, man. Crump, what have you been up to? That shit ain't uh, regular. Shit, man. Working. Working. Working hard, man. Working like an Irish slave. Oh, no. Um, Yikes. Which... <laughs> For those of you that aren't up, check out the Irish slavery stuff. It's actually not true, but whatever. Uh, just working hard, man. Just finished up basketball season. Sweet. Team finished about 500. I was happy. I didn't, right. didn't get thrown out of any games. Hey. hey. And cuss out a referee, man. It was a success. That's better than I did in my rec league, man. <laughs> you did get thrown our, out this our year. Our entire team got tossed from the same game. The entire How? team got tossed. Yep. Uh. We're... See, the funny thing is, for those of when, you that don't know, I have the biggest mouth in this room, I would say. I mean, y'all can, y'all can ex- argue if you want yeah, to. Yeah, no, you're right. But I, I generally speak, you have the biggest mouth in this room. So so the fact that y- y'all, <laughs> y'all whole team got tossed. When you name your, your team uh, Smoking Trees and Stroking Threes, yeah. the refs, I, I feel like they come in a little bit biased. <laughs> they look down on you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, we're we're back with a brand new what if question on a brand new what if podcast, and uh, today we are asking the question: What if aliens went to our school? Yeah, <laughs> I love that I get a full alien episode. Usually, I just have to sneak it into like some super unrelated shit. I mean, it's all related. We do. It is all related. That's everything's real. connected. We we have talked about aliens. I would say semi regularly, even without having a lot of alien themed episodes. And I guess we're going to talk about them a little bit today. But but what we mean when we say what if aliens went to art school is... They're really fucking good at drawing. They're really good at drawing. And math. Only in fields, though. Math. That's it, man. Yeah. Wheat, barley. Uh, uh, ice. Ooh, I didn't... Okay. You tops know something of, I don't know, I tops guess. Tops of trees. Oh, shit. Yeah, I got Ryan some... Ryan did his homework this episode. I got some man. extra shit. Okay. Let's okay. go. You got any movie references for us? You seen Signs? Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> have, have I seen Signs? I'm losing my mind! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got some good Mel Gibson sounds for you throughout the show. They're all good Mel Gibson sounds. The fact... Dude, the that, fa- that fucking movie. <laughs> you guys watched it ever or recently? I've seen uh, it before. I didn't watch it recently. I okay. wanted to, but it's not on not on my shit. It's yeah. Not, yeah, it's not I on may, Prime. I tried to find it on Prime. It's well, not. I, I paid ten bucks for it. If you guys want to borrow it, <laughs> <laughs> wait. You bought a physical copy of Signs? Uh, no. Oh, you rented on an internet streaming service? Of no, because you can't even rent it. You have to purchase it. I purchased it in SD for ten dollars. Wow! <laughs> Just so I could pull audio from it. How can- he definitely wasn't a midget. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to punish yourself so hard if if you if you have to watch a sort of bad alien movie from the early 2000s you made yourself watch it in standard definition? HD was $20. I'm not paying $20 for that shit. That's 10 offensive. was already a bad decision. We need Kazaa. <laughs> True. I should have limewired that bring, shit. Bring back Kazaa. Yeah. Anyway, um, but we are as as signs refers to and as aliens potentially drawing refers to. We're talking about crop circles today. Yeah. Uh 
and we're gonna explore some nooks and crannies, and shit's gonna get weird. And uh, <laughs> I think we're all okay with that. <laughs> sort of like Ooh. every Friday night. Sort of like every Friday night around here. Um, what's a crop circle? Well, what is a crop circle? Okay, just from like, like what's what's your what's your rudiment? Not rudimentary. I'm not. I'm not saying y'all are rudimentary, but like, what's your understanding of what a crop circle is? <laughs> what's your basic ass understanding of life? Um, pressing down crops in geometric patterns. Yeah, that's pretty good. Anything to add, Crump? Uh, that's about it, man. Yeah. I mean, that's like. I feel like that's sort of everyone's general yeah. general the, perception. The who and why I think are the interesting questions. But they are we'll definitely. Um, so. I guess I guess it's it's interesting because it's one of those phenomenon that like I feel like receives m- much ridicule, for the most part. Do you, would y'all agree or no? Yeah, or it's just ignored. Yeah, except they get covered in the news when they happen. Really? For sure. Where? For sure. Do you remember? Uh, tons of them happen every summer. I never see news stories about crop circles. I heard a mm. number that said two hundred per year. Yeah, and just that's just in England, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. In Wiltshire and around there, southern Wiltshire, England. Hampshire, couple of all the all the shires. Yeah, so let's let's do let's do a little history, uh, a little history lesson first on crop circles, and we'll get into Hampshire and Wiltshire and some of that stuff. Professor Copperud. Professor Copperud. I'm so not. Teach us. I wish I was Professor Doctor Horace Drew. Oh fuck! I <laughs> shout uh, out to Horace. Shout out to Horace. If you if you want to have the most abysmal crop circle learning experience you can possibly muster. Uh, just go on YouTube and search for a guy named Dr. Horace Drew. The aliens can't read our minds. <laughs> uh, he he thinks <laughs> he thinks he thinks much wilder stuff than that. I about... didn't label any of my Mel Gibson <laughs> sign, sounds from signs, so they're just gonna come at random. Sorry, uh, that's okay. Pause. Pause. Uh, mm, we do need a sad trombone for the soundboard. All right, stop crying. <laughs> so, um. 200, 200 a year. Back. Sorry, two hundred. Yes, two hundred crop circles a year ish is sort of um is sort of the 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 well accepted number. Um, this number started increasing heavily in the eighties, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, a little bit later. Um, but crop circles have been documented in uh over forty countries around the world, but mostly in the Western world or in Europe. Concentrated in Southern England. Yeah. And concentrated in Southern England, like we yeah. talked about. Um, and we did talk a little bit about this, but um, for the most part, in cereals, grains, actual crops, corn. Um, but they've also been documented in uh, rice paddies in Vietnam. Um, they've been documented uh, in certain situations in ice and lakes. And uh, there have been a couple. I saw the the trees one is, is, uh, is a little up for grabs. I haven't. I didn't see any good documentation of any of the tree ones. Um, okay. But, like in the canopy or what? what yeah, would that basically even mean? like imagine a very thick forest and being able to kind of see depressions of sort of circular. Wouldn't all be at one level though, would it? How would you do that? What do you mean? All the, the tops of all the trees wouldn't all be level. How would you? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if the foliage is thick enough, I guess you could you could depress it in. I, I don't know. I didn't see a good fucking Horace man it, knows. So, yeah. yeah, Horace could tell us about. It. He knows everything. We tried to get him on the podcast. We we might do a follow up and see. If I we tried can to. Well, him. yeah. Um, we gotta get some more weird ass guests we, like we, Horace. Yeah, we promise we'll do that for you. Um. So okay. So those who are 
uh, sort of hell-bent on this, uh, no pun intended, as you'll see in a second, who are hell-bent on this uh, this theory being a real thing that's gone back a really long time. A lot of people point to the year uh, 1678. Yeah, this is my guy. Uh, <laughs> we're, okay, cool. So everybody's on the same page. Um, there was... This is basically generally cited by so seriologists are are people who believe in slash study crop circles. So we can refer to ourselves as that's a great name seriologists uh, yeah. for today. Um, cool. So seriologists <laughs> so believe many many point to 1678 as the first like real depiction of a crop circle that we have documented. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, what happened was um, this this guy. Um, this guy was not psyched about the price that he was quoted for a laborer to chop down uh, his, to basically like harvest the grains in his field. Yep. Says to the guy, I would rather the devil cut down my grain than you, motherfucker. And woke up the next day and, and his, uh, his crops had in fact been cut but they had been cut in strange sort of circles in the field is essentially the way that it's documented. And this whole story was like showed up in whatever, I guess their version of a newspaper back then was like a wood cutting about this story happening. Physics professor, Robert Blatt, England's first physics professor. Oh, and, okay. And that whole story, if you want to dig a little deeper into it is usually referred to as the mowing devil, the mowing devil. Now, yeah. now, so obviously we, we play devil's advocate during this a lot and we, Explore like multiple sides of things. A lot of people go, not a crop circle. Crop circles are bent crops, not cut crops. That's bullshit. Um, but it is sort of an odd appearance of circular crop destruction that occurred a long time ago. That basically they don't they don't have any um, they don't there was no documentation of like who did it or why it happened, etc. So the story was that in fact a spirit or the devil or someone had had depressed those crops. Okay. Uh, we fast forward a little bit further. To a couple, I would say, uh, not great references to to depressed crops or things that looked like they had been wind blown. Like there's like writings that are happening throughout the. There's some weird theories about it being weather related, like yeah. tornadoes or cyclones or something. Right, which kind of sounds like a lot of bullshit, especially for some of the ones that like. I mean, it, I don't know. It it depends. It certain, certainly wouldn't explain what we commonly think of as crop circles now. Right. The level of intricacy that uh, yeah. relates to a crop circle that we're aware of, like we don't, we know that like wind doesn't create straight lines in crops. Right. Drop pictures of aliens and he, bin- yeah, right. Binary code, right. Precise. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Um, so fast forward a little bit further. There, there's there's sort of a significant number of these that are referred to, you know, this one in 1963, this amateur astronomer, his name was Sir Patrick Moore. Um, he describes a crater in a potato field in Wiltshire, which he considered was quote, probably caused by an unknown meteoric body. Um, in nearby wheat fields, there were several circular and elliptical areas where the wheat had been flattened. So this was in 1963. Um, so again, like in literature, through some people, references to this type thing. We get a little bit further, and in the 60s in Queensland, Australia, uh, there were reports of UFO sightings in like the farms and the fields and oh. around some swamps. <laughs> Spencer's ready for it. Um, in Australia. And in uh, in this one specific case, uh, 
in Tully. I believe Tully is the location, right? Tully, Queensland. Yeah. So I think Tully is an actual city. Sounds right. Uh, in 1966, uh, a farmer stated that he, quote, witnessed a saucer-shaped craft rise 30 or 40 feet up from a swamp and then fly away. Okay. When he went to investigate the location where he thought the saucer had landed, he found a nearly circular area, 32 feet long by 25 feet wide, where the grass was flattened in clockwise curves to the water level within the circle, and the reeds had been uprooted from the mud. So is that what started the whole connection with crop circles and aliens or UFOs? Yes. That's like... Popularly, at least. Popularly, that was the first I saw a saucer land or take off, I guess. Right. And then when I went to investigate, this was what I found as remaining evidence. Okay. So then, so the Australian papers blew up, right? Because this... It's a a pretty crazy story. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. And, I mean, like if we were to hear that today, we would be like, hey, man, that's pretty weird. But it, it would be newsworthy, I would say. Um, but they started being referred to as the saucer's nest. There's actually this really cool picture. I don't know if you can, well, you may, you guys maybe have seen it, um, but there's kind of a cool picture of like dudes sitting in the middle of this interestingly shaped clockwise circle. You said the saucer's nest? The saucer's nest. Yeah. Which I had not heard that before. Which I think is kind of cute. It's like the nest where the saucers go yeah. to sleep at night and then freaking fly away later. Um <laughs> So I would say, like, in modern times, this is the first cited example of a crop circle as it relates to UFOs, and we had things like newspapers and, uh, like, cameras where we could take pictures and, like, talk about it in a way that was not, like, wood-carved panels in England (laughs) in the 1600s. Right. I like that their newspapers were woodcuts. Not that they they didn't even print them. They just see this is the the aliens knew about advanced printmaking techniques <laughs> from their days in art school. Mm-hmm. They you didn't even to. like print them on the paper. They just made the woodcuts and then distributed logs to right. the people. They know they're in England, man. Shitty weather, the rain. <laughs> right, that's yeah. real. Mm-hmm. You can advanced newspapers turning into a mop out there. Yeah, can't have it. Um, so I would say that Tully, Australia, would be. Uh, Year year one of art school, if okay. you will, for the aliens. When did uh, uh, the English dudes Sam and Dave? When did they come and do it? Um, so that was post Australia. That was post Australia. Also, um, I'm pretty sure Sam and Dave was an R and B group. What are their names? You were thinking about Doug and Dave. I believe. There we go. Okay, the, Doug. And, does R and B group called Doug and Dave? I no, wish. Sam and Dave. You don't know Sam and Dave? I don't know Sam and Dave for sure. Well, we'll have to listen to some. Only we can play copyrighted things on our show. (laughs) We'll listen on a break. You guys on the break, go listen to Sam and Dave. Put Sam and Dave into your Spotify. Um. So, in the late seventies, Doug and Dave is who Spencer was thinking of slash referring to. Um, Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley. Very British lads. My guys. In the, in the south of England. Um, are you you're gonna cut this out later if we're gonna listen to it? Yeah, just you know, I'm okay. gonna play some Sam and Dave in the background while you tell your story about Dig Dug or whatever okay. it is. You're okay, doing. great. <laughs> um, so you guys can hear the R and B that we're listening to. Turn on hold on, I'm coming by Sam and Dave, and you can party with Balls. us. Oh <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so uh in that you gotta kill this. I can't even like think at all. Sorry. It's okay. 
it's beautiful. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> they got some classics though. Yeah, I'm saying. Soul Man. Now, see, now I'm all I'm going to think of. Yo, their next song is called Wrap It Up. Just continuing with your theme. Followed by Broke Down Piece of Man. This guy's had some issues. Shit. The R&B, man. I thought it used to be pure. <laughs> Apparently not. No. It's the devil's music. The mowing the, devil. The mowing devil's music. <laughs> um, we're in Hampshire and Wiltshire in the late 90s, which are two adjacent counties. And one night in a bar, Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley having consumed multiple pints of their favorite local ale. As you do. As you do. Not a whole lot else to do out there. Right. Apparently, as the, as they tell the story, Apparently. had been... Sorry. Apparently. Are you, are, no, you right over, are you all right over there, bro? Turn my mic off. Go ahead. <laughs> um. Apparently, having been aware of the Tully Australia saucer's nests... Thought it was an interesting story. Thought it was an interesting phenomenon. Thought that it would be fun slash funny slash interesting to see if they could make their own saucers nests in the local fields. It's like the south of England is like a pretty hilly kind of, you know, a lot of like grains and wheats and stuff. And they drunkenly thought it'd be a good idea to try one out and see what they could do. And so for years in that area well actually what i found was interesting in one of the versions of this i read uh what i found funny was first for the first few years they were doing this people didn't like really give a shit or like notice in the late 90s and like really in the early 80s was when this like really started to take notice and uh Wait, they started doing it in the 70s the late 70s was when they state that they started doing some of these in their local area but people didn't really like catch on or they they weren't like they weren't newsworthy. They weren't like a phenomenon. People weren't they were drunk. flocking to them. It was well, just a couple drunk dudes in a field late at night. Like wasn't part of the <laughs> wasn't part of the issue though that they were doing them in flat fields and then no one could see them. I heard about this too. And yeah. they started doing them on like inclined hills so people could see them oh, from, so the side. Side. from the roads. If you drove yep. by, then you could see it because if you're looking out across a flat field, you're not going to see the crops in the middle of the field that are pressed down right yeah. and they were also trying to then start doing them like in areas where there were areas of elevation that looked down onto fields where right. they could like potentially be seen by other people right and that was around the early 80s and they took off now this is all yeah. according to them long after this was happening so while it was actually happening the south of england everyone's like losing their minds right because there's being just invaded. these weird yeah. circular crop designs that keep showing up in random people's places uh, usually happening overnight. Were people? Because this does it ruin the crops? Like were people getting pissed? Yeah. So ah, I'm insane with anger. Did you ask that question, Jesse? So you could hit that button. Of course, <laughs> you can ignore the question. Go on. <laughs> well, actually, it is kind of interesting. Actually, farmers were getting pissed, and they started charging money because basically people were showing up to be like. Maybe this oh, is like a saucer's were, nest. They were charging admission. They were charging admission, basically. Right. Like, if you want to come walk through this thing, you're going to pay me money. And it was, and it wasn't just to monetize. I mean, I, I'm sure partial part of it was just to monetize, like an opportunity they had on their hands. But it was also apparently because people were like driving into the fields or just like oh. stomping through their fields anyway to go be like, "Hey, did you guys hear that over on such and such street and such and such street? There's a crop circle. We should go check it out." And their fields were just getting demolished by like at 
apparently in the mid 80s, closer to like thousands of people were like flocking to these over the course of a week or 10 days or two weeks. So just to offset some of the loss that they yeah, were incurring like, to literally just ruining their fields while people were trying to investigate these designs that were showing up all over their well, counties. They're lucky it wasn't here. Because I would have drove my fucking my <laughs> F-250 with my dualies and did shitties in there. <laughs> you, it, would that be your way to, like, try to get pulled up? If you just do a fast enough, like, I gotta, There are people who go just hang out in the middle of crop circles because they feel like they get cosmic energy or something from it. Yeah. You got to be draping your Confederate flag <laughs> to really soak that energy up. Though. Right. Yeah. It's you have a much higher chance of getting arrested that way, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jail! You look like you're up to some way more nefarious shit if you're standing right. in the middle of a cornfield well, draped in a Confederate flag. Depends on where you are. I'd probably help you. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. That's just John <laughs> doing his Saturday night ritual. <laughs> he likes to stand out there and stare at the stars, hoping white Jesus takes him up to the sky. What if aliens were racist? <laughs> and we don't, went we don't to, know. And yeah. went to art school. Well, it's probably a correlation. <laughs> right. So post the 80s, um, Basically, over 10,000 different crop circles have been recorded around the world in these 42 countries that I originally uh, mentioned. You only mentioned like three. What are the other 30? Oh, sorry, 40, 40 plus. I don't have the list of all 40, but the, uh, the, the documenters, the seriologists stayed over 40 countries. There, I found an article about some in Minnesota, in fact. Did you? We got a bunch of crops here. Somebody must have done it. That sounds about right. And indeed right. they had. I'm curious to know more. Hmm. Well, that's all I got. All Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that happened once. <laughs> Carry on. Uh-huh. Since 2000, uh, this says like the re- the more recent boom of things was in 2000 and later where the, the size and the intricacy of these have uh, just sort of expanded exponentially since the the first 25 foot by 35 foot oval in Australia in the sixties. And yeah, like we said, like still about 200 a year, every year get made and shown and documented uh, to this day. So what, what is the difference between the ones that uh, people like Sam and Dave make and people think that aliens or interdimensional beings are making to try and communicate with us? Um, is there a visible difference between the two or do crazy people just think that aliens are trying to communicate with us because they're part of a UFO religion cult? Why not both? Okay. Por que no los dos? Um, yeah, so there are some things that seriologists like Dr. Horace Drew, I keep wanting to say Horace Grant, which is so much funnier to me that Horace Grant would be teaching classes. About- whenever, whenever you say Horace Drew, I picture him giving that hilarious lecture on youtube to those 10 australian people but i do picture him also wearing rec specs yes oh yes <laughs> color coordinated oh, yes. rec specs right right i picture him with like bright blue rec specs and an orlando magic pinstripe jersey on while he's giving that lecture this cut is so deep there are so many people who are so, so it, confused in my head is well if you don't know who horace grant is i don't know why you're listening to this show uh so yeah, it's working out really well for me whenever you do say his name. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We should probably drop some of that audio in at some point of Horace Drew doing his thing. Yeah, I'll Maybe we'll it. do it at, at, least at a part break or something. Tells us what they knows everything. Oh boy, does he ever. Um, Alright, so th- yeah, let's start with the weirdos who think that they're aliens trying to talk to us. Yeah, so so cats like, well, I, I, don't, know, I don't know that it's necessarily people thinking that aliens are trying to talk to us. Okay. 
there are people who do think that they are aliens trying to talk to us, that it's aliens who are coming down and using energy or ships or whatever to make these. But there are a lot of people who just point to like weird things that have apparently been documented and tested inside of crop circles that they point to, they, the seriologists, point to as like reasons that they're real. So there's real meaning, real meaning, uh, real meaning that it wasn't just a couple of drunk British dudes in the middle of the night stomping around. So real meaning not made by humans or yeah. not easily explained or the, so the, the, the way that people talk about it is like, if it's a hoax, I'm throwing up air quotes again on a podcast. If it's, if it's a hoax, it's done by dudes wearing snowshoes or with a rope and a board flattening crops in a in a formation. And real is anything other than that. Real is like kind of anyone who says a human could never, shouldn't have, or this is too weird for a human to have had part in. Okay. And what are those reasons? Okay, so there's four. They're pretty quick. I'll go through them and we could talk about them a little bit more in detail. But um, for what it's worth, the science around this is not thorough. But it is out there. So you're telling me the seriologists aren't thorough with it? <laughs> I would say they're... But, they have, but it's, uh, it's Dr. Horace Grant. Yeah, right. He knows everything. He does. But there are a lot of people who, I guess, have spent a lot of time studying this, but it's just not a lot... It's not like a, a big field of study, I guess. That's also why I say that, like, I feel like this whole phenomenon gets ridiculed a lot as, like, some total mumbo-jumbo, like, bullshit. Yeah. Which, who knows? Maybe that's where we'll arrive. Now, one thing I will say, though, everything that I watched was... The voiceovers, the narration was done by British people. Mm -hmm. I just changed my Siri to a British woman because it makes her sound that much smarter. Yes. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you have a British accent, you're at least 40% smarter. Yeah. yeah. If you have a Southern accent, you're 30% dumber. It's yeah. a science. It's a, there's a science to it. A we linguistic sociologist told me that once. Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not even flinching over there. He's like, yes, sir, carry on. Exactly how it works. It's a fact. I know everything. Yeah. Um, all right, so these British seriologists point to four separate things related to crop circles that they say are not hoaxed, not human-made. Number one, the stalks of crop, wheat, whatever it might be, uh, in the actual crop circle formations under examination show evidence of heating. Some as if they had been treated with microwaves. Yeah, uh, you know the dude, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Michio Kaku, that one's, physicist? That one's outside of me. Keep oh, really? It, yeah, keep going. Crumb, you know this dude? No, Asian, Asian, old Asian scientist man. You, you've probably seen him on a documentary. Okay. As opposed to black scientist man. Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, he's the other guy. Oh. <laughs> and his white scientist man? Bill Nye. Bill Nye? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Those are the three, they're the only three scientists that are ever on TV. <laughs> this guy. You guys don't know this dude? For a oh. second. See? white-haired Asian. Yeah. That's all you got to say. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to end that sentence with, those are the only three scientists. <laughs> well, they're the only ones that go on TV. Well, right. I just thought, and, I thought that was going to stop before you said on TV, yeah. and I was like, we're about to offend a lot of scientists. He, he went on Fox News and talked about how he thinks people are actually using microwave ovens to do it. Brilliant. Um, to create with long circles. Extension yeah, cords. He thinks, yeah, they're just running microwaves out into fields and microwaving the shit out of that wheat. Is that like you just <laughs> you? <laughs> I'll put a link in the notes. You guys can watch him watch the dumbest thing a man with a PhD has ever said on national television. I'm kind of bummed. So what do you do? Do you just like unscrew the door and run a extension your, cord out in the cancer. middle of the field and <laughs> let it run for an hour and see what comes back? Uh, yeah, I guess. Cool. Or attach a microwave oven to a drone and just fly it around over the field or something. That's cool. I didn't actually watch the video. 
Sounds like uh, sounds like art school to me. Yeah, you know, it's it's probably just performance art. <laughs> oh wow, deep cut. Some interpretive dance with microwave ovens. Yeah, exactly. And you got yourself a crop circle. Yeah, that's my new choreography project. <laughs> Ripping the doors off of microwaves and yeah. dancing in a field. Uh huh. Bro, we'll film it. We'll put, we'll put it on the YouTube <laughs> account. Art. We'll put it on Dude, uh, if you're naked, it's podcast. art. Just take your pants off and it's art. <laughs> Dude, people I'm have, had to remember you, that one. <laughs> yeah. Anything you do, if it's naked and it's in a theater, it's art. You're definitely getting cancer if you're running around naked with a bunch of open door microwaves. And you deserve it. Well, that's probably Anyway. <laughs> All right, so shows evidence of heating processor microwaving. Yep. Number two, um, one thing that seriologists point to is reasons they couldn't be hoaxed is a lot of the grains bend but don't break. So they're saying if... If a dude with a board, if any of us grown ass men were standing on a board to push wheat down so that it was like literally horizontally flat with the ground, you would probably be breaking stalks. Like this is a lot of like dead wheat or existing wheat that, um, you know, has been around for a while, but like that you would be bending things over to the point where it would snap off. And, and a lot of them show that there's not breakage in the actual stalks. They're just sort of 90 degree angle bends, 90 degree no. angle bends often at, um, they call them like nodules. Which are like right at blow nodes, bro. Blow, blow nodes, bro. Uh, yeah, you can go down some K holes yeah, on the internet. They have the blow nodes <laughs> from the heating and the interior of the stalks. Yeah, 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 exactly. That is exactly the kind of cats that we're talking mm-hmm. about here. But but it is interesting. Like there's there is definitely um, there's definitely like pictures and harvested uh, grains that do show like these pretty thick stalks of of grain that are just folded. They look like they look like they're almost bent at a right angle without actually having been broken. Um, so that's another reason that they go, that's not a dude with a board or snowshoes. Um, another, a third, uh, th- the third of four is um, that in, let's see, 1993, uh, there was a crop circle formation in Cherhill, England. Again, England. Um where basically the, the they found after a lot of cats who study this stuff, and there are, for what it's worth, there's a lot. There's a lot of people who have spent a lot of time like visiting these things, taking soil samples, taking grain samples, taking pictures, going through flyovers. Like there are people that are very, very invested in investigating this Some people that just lay, lay down in the middle of them and surround themselves with crystals Indeed. and take their pants off. Right, Possibly right. crystal meth. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's all the same. You never know. <laughs> Got to open up your chakras somehow. <laughs> Shout out to Crystal Daddy Beak uh, one time. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get him on here, by the way. Yeah. he. Yeah. Hey, Beak, come on the show. Yeah. We'll talk about whatever you want. Um, so in the center of one of the crop formations um, was found uh, iron particles or like metal particles that was almost like a glaze over some of the crops. And when harvested, when they looked at it, um, basically there's a, there's a pretty long article and it's actually kind of technical. I don't know how correct it is, but um, they have some really interesting pictures throughout it where they talk about like the levels of iron and the levels of metal that were found and why they're strange and also how there's a potential that some of them are uh, meteoric in in origin, like meteoric iron, not like Mm. normal iron that we have here in terms of like the purity and things like that. Um, And this has been documented more than once in like other locations by separate researchers as well. So, um, that's like the third one where they go, Hey, if you're, again, if you're a dude with a board, why are you using like, like, how are you getting meteoric iron to sprinkle throughout your crop circle while you're doing it? They're just trying to, you know, 
trying to put the finishing touches on their artwork. It's yeah, like glazing man. their pottery. It's that's true. That's true. Say Art's if it cool. was like a, a raku glaze or like a wood fire <laughs> kind of oh, situation. Yeah, that's how wood fire is my shit though. Yeah, yeah. be clear. Uh, you ever raku fired something? Not not yet. Mm. Open that's to. probably the Japanese crop circles that are raku fired. See, this is how you know Spencer went to art school because he's dropping art school words. That was a joke for like the one person on our. <laughs> Of our seven listeners, who's going to get it? So is so is the combo, Doctor Horace Drew, <laughs> crop circle enthusiast slash Horace Grant, NBA <laughs> basketball player from the '90s joke, but Ho Grant, my guy. Whoa! And the All last right. of the last of the four is, um, and this one isn't isn't proof, but it is a way that some people point to is just the general intricacy. A lot of the ones, especially coming like out of the '60s and into you know the the early 2000s, they're big. And they're very, very intricate. Like from above, you you know, you can you can overlay patterns on top of like the aerial pictures that are taken. And some of the designs are almost like to the millimeter exact in terms of distance, length, repetition, um, etc. I really hate that explanation. Which part? About like humans couldn't do it because it's too complex or it's too intricate. Meanwhile, well, you're flying through the air. In a machine that is exploding dead animals so that you can take a picture of that thing. Yeah. The- and then also the first crop circles were really simple. And then over a period of 40 years, they've gotten more, more and more complex. complex slowly. That yeah. clearly points to humans having something to do with it. The aliens aren't getting smarter and more evolved as they travel thousands of light years to draw pictures in our fields. You don't think as we get smarter, they want to talk to us more on our level? Our level was circles in the 70s, though? That was as much as we could handle without getting our brains blown out the back of our heads. So they got to start small. I don't know, man. Say, here, here's our <laughs> nest. I don't buy that they one. They hear a guy's prayers when he says, I, I want the devil to mow my shit. And- I do it's, think, it's, though, it's the same thing with, like, humans couldn't have made the pyramids because ancient humans were dumb. Like, no, no, they weren't. No, you it's, just, We never give ourselves enough credit for... Humans are really good at making stuff. That's I, what we do. We make stuff. We make tools. We build things. We manipulate our environment. I don't disagree with you. I think, go ahead, Crumb. You're about to say oh, something. Oh, no, I was going to say I, I do, though, on some of this. Because, like, with the initial ones and these drunk Irish, or excuse me, not Irishmen, my apologies to any Irish folks, um, even though this St. Patty, so fuck it, you're probably drunk. Um, <laughs> so are the English. So I'm on my way. <laughs> but with these drunk dudes in the field, it's like you could tell, like, geometrically, they weren't that complex. Yeah. Whereas once we started getting like post 2001, they started getting like so ridiculously, ridiculously complex where I don't know if our technology, the gain in that, like how complex they were, like even on various lines, like when they overlay these maps on yeah. top of it. Think, think of what you're saying I, though, that humans don't have the technology to press down crops. Well, hang on though. Hang on though. I think it's 2017. Look at the technology everywhere in our daily lives. I hear I hear what you're saying. I think the I think when people point to the the intricacy of them and the accuracy of them, I think what people are pointing at is they're so some of the ones in the book that we is sitting in between all of us. I should shout it out while we're here cuz People might want to check it out. Go uh, go by Crop Circles, Signs, Wonders, and Mysteries by Steve Alexander because it actually is kind of a cool book. Or borrow it from your local library like I did. Or borrow it from your local library. Like It Spencer does have did. a lot of really great photos. Yeah, of, the photos uh, are cool. Of a lot of the Crop Circles in England throughout the last, I don't know, decade or so. So that one on the cover. Go, yeah, what's, what's the name of that one? Go Google the cover. I don't know. 
Oh, well, shit. Hey, I was just watching a video on it. Go to the go to that bookmark it I have in there towards right? the back. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. It's the one that's oh, 900 some feet across. It's, uh, yeah, it's almost 1,000 feet. And the geometry of that joint like is... Um, the Milk Hill Galaxy. There we go. It's from 2001. So I think I think it's it's important it's an important thing to remember that it's not just the fact that it can be done with like tools that we have and technology that we have. I think what people are pointing to usually is the fact that most of the time they show up completely overnight. So you're thinking about our two dudes with boards wearing headlamps in you're talking about the middle of nowhere so it's pitch black so all you have mm-hmm. is a headlamp are those two dudes working for 8 hours able to create a 1000 foot across crop circle that is geometrically perfect from the aerials in almost every way like it's 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 perfectly shaped circle after perfectly shaped circle in repeating patterns over and over again at like a massive size is the, I think that's more what people are talking about when they point to the intricacy of these things is we went to bed last night and that wasn't there. And we woke up today and it was would two dudes be able to just do that overnight in the pitch black using a board and a string like that, that to, to me right, sounds a little you, bit more far-fetched. You don't know that it's two dudes with a board and a string either. And no, I the mean, they, they could be doing like new tools mm-hmm. and I mean, the guys Doug and Dave were talking, Dave? Yeah, Doug, Doug Sam and, and Dave. Dave. Sam and Dave. Um, we're talking about like part of what they did was they were wearing baseball caps and yeah. they would put eye hooks on the, on the brims of the caps and they would run fishing line from one location to another and then they would keep the... Um, they would keep the the fishing line completely perfectly straight on the eye hole, never to bend it side to side, and that's how they would create straight lines for long periods of time. The ones that they made also weren't very impressive. They were not. They, yeah. they were not nearly as impressive as some of the ones that, like the one we're but talking about, the Milk Hill 30 one. 30 years later, we also have things like lasers and drones. It, and Yeah, and it wouldn't have to be just two people either. Sure, no. But but also, the more people you add, the more you would think that because this is something that we we talked about a little bit off air. We talked about, you know, how come, so Doug and Dave take responsibility in the early 80s for, I think they said, what, like a few hundred? 200 or something, yeah. yeah. 200-ish. And grand scheme, like in the world, we've we've recorded over 10,000 now. Why don't we? Why don't we know more? Like, why aren't there more people like Doug and D- Doug and Dave have been doing press tours and putting out books? And here's how we did it and interviews and shit. Like, they're making. Well, that that's how there are more of them. What do you mean? Because that it, it, yeah, they're because it became more concept. popularized, and they sure. gave people a starting point for here's how to make some basic ones for sure. But I just also mean that like, wouldn't you think there would be more people in the world who would come out and say? I did this, check out what we did. We documented how we did it. Like, there's been some new well, stuff about that, but... Not necessarily, because it's illegal. Yeah. Technically. I mean, there was a there was a story about a guy in the U.S. who made a rather large one to, basically, to fuck with his brother and make it look like a UFO had landed in his field. And his brother, before coming to talk to him about it, called the police and got the police involved, and there was this big investigation, and it was a big deal... And uh, he waited 
seven years until the statute of limitations <laughs> ran out. <laughs> and told his brother. <laughs> yeah, and awesome. Then, and then went public about it. Damn. I, for a second there, I thought you were going to be like, he was out in his field in the middle of the night. His brother was making a crop circle. He ran out there with his gun, just shot him and killed his brother because he was trying to freak him out with a so crop circle. So I think circle. part of it is that it's illegal. And there are, I mean, you can find things online of, of how to make them and people talking yeah, about making sure. them. And there have been companies that have hired people to make them for promotional reasons. Like there's... But like even the NVIDIA one, it, I think the company hiring people to make one is that like the biggest news one was the NVIDIA one that happened in uh, in like California where they made a big crop circle that featured like an intricate computer processor in the middle of it. And people were like, what is this computer processor? Is this like the aliens trying to tell us how a computer processor we should make is blah, blah, blah. And it got on like CNN and shit and like a bunch of news sources picked it up. And then like a week later, NVIDIA was like, ha, sorry, we pay people to do this. But like, even that one is like not that intricate. And it's like 250, 300 feet across. And like the video owned up that they paid like, 30 people to do it and it took all this planning and shit like I don't know it's just still like when I look at the Mill Kill one I'm like I don't know I don't know yeah like if if you had 30 dudes and you guys worked all night long after like an insane amount of planning you could get there like you could do that in one night yeah. but like but then but if then if that's the case like what's the point like what what I don't know like because we're talking about it right now and it's in that book I guess they had uh because it's art. I mean, I, I think that's that's really what it comes down to is it, it's art and it's a weird form of temporary art that has the potential yeah. of getting on the news and being written about and yeah yeah. There was some dudes, a group in England, where they took a bunch of I don't know if they were scientists or what exactly they were, but they were real big on crop circles, right? The uh, seriologists. Yeah, yeah. They probably dabbled in seriology. Yes, crop yes. circle enthusiasts. Um. But they were able to make like a super complex, like a huge one, right? Mm -hmm. One that they would say typically that's not possible for somebody to do overnight. And it was this group of people that knocked it out and it's extremely precise. Um, but it still wasn't as precise as some of these ones that we had seen mm -hmm. as far as like the geometric shapes. And for me, that's like, I don't know. I think of the dude that I see on the highway, like surveying or whatever with his little, with his gadgets. Lasers mm -hmm. and shit. You're not that precise as far as those types of shapes. And, um, just even looking at some of those patterns, they're not like, okay, this is like some standard shit. Let me go knock this out and make yeah. this, right? This is some shit that's like never been seen before. What type of artist that that's, they're that good mm -hmm. geometrically with whatever they're doing that they're also, okay, I'm gonna go over here to Wiltshire, England. I'm gonna fuck around and knock out a nice crop circle tonight. I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> you know like that, I, you could ask that question about any form of art. Why do people dedicate, people de dedicate their entire lives to art that gives them nothing more than a crop circle might to somebody. You know, look, look at how many famous artists were poor and depressed and had shitty lives but continued to make amazing works of art and do it over and over and over for no recognition. But, like, how come... Okay, I, f I, I definitely feel you, but I'm I'm also thinking about, like, like to Crump's point, like, there's, there's hella versions of these that the levels of intricacy get so intense... And again, like it's about doing it in the pitch black in eight hours with a group of people. Like, and again, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm not trying to be like out here, like, oh no, definitely 10% of these are made by aliens or some weird like magnetic force. But I do think it it blows my mind that that's something that someone is capable of. And if and if they are, I would love to see a group of 20 people show me how that's done. I would pay a bunch of money. To watch people be like, 
We're going to make yeah. the most impressive crop circle. Because, like, why hasn't but that been done? Why hasn't 20 Couldn't you say like, that about many forms of art, though? Like, how many artists could you think of? If I see a painting by Chuck Close for the first time, I'm going to think, holy shit, I can't even understand how someone would make that painting. Sure. I could never do that. You could give me the next 30 years and I wouldn't be able to do that. You, I could take everyone I know and combined, we wouldn't be able to do that. It doesn't mean that a dude didn't do it. We know for a fact that one dude did it. But did Chuck Close do it in eight hours? Okay. Well, and this is where it gets but, strange to me. I mean, look, choose your example. Like other people have done really incredible artworks in short periods, in short of, periods time. of time. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. I, Chuck Close could make his paintings in whatever amount of time. He can make those paintings anywhere in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like this, this incredible artist, their medium just happens to be crops, right? And they're in England knocking these joints out. It's like that frequently. Like as an artist, well, you know art much better than me, right? I'm not an artist. Um, but are they familiar? Are you like geometry on that level, like to a mathematic degree? Well, and I, that's where it gets a little more curious to me is some of the content behind these. It's an and interesting set of skills. I, I would like to maybe take a quick break and then come back with some examples of the content because I, yeah, I think perfect. that's where I start to wonder what's actually going on with it because yeah. the, the physical process I could understand, the the reason behind it, and the message that is trying to be conveyed sometimes gives me pause. Yeah, I'm with that too. Cool. All right, tight. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take five. Go listen to some uh, Sam and D- Dave. Doug. Doug and go play Doug some and- Dig Doug and listen to Sam and Dave. Go go watch an episode of Doug from Nickelodeon. Doug funny. Uh, Doug funny. And uh, we'll be back with you in two seconds here on the What If podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us a message. Email hi, that's H-I, at whatifpodcast.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. We're back with the What If Podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss the merits of aliens and art school. They have many merit badges <laughs> that they acquired in art school for their many best, best in show pottery and charcoal drawing accomplishments. Mostly performance art, though. Mostly performance art in the fields of England. Mm-hmm. They just get naked in a field and eat a can of beans and then film it, and then they turn that in for their their final project. They do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does does an alien eating a can of beans translate into a crop circle, or is that only just just naked? <laughs> It's not art otherwise, bro. We covered this already. Come on. Okay. All right. I'm back. I'm Keep back up. up to speed. Keep I'm sorry. Uh, when we when we left before we took a quick break, um, we were talking about content of crop circles and the messages and the meanings behind them. We we got into a little bit of a back and forth about how they're done or if they're done or what they're done by, etc. Um, but we didn't talk a ton about like what we're seeing other than some complex mathematic stuff, some geometry, some intense geometry and stuff. Um, and I know Crump and Spencer, both of y'all have some some content stories. Yeah, Crump, lead us. Tell lead us it. about the, the the Mayan clocks. Mayan clocks. So, there's, um, you got Amazon Prime. Shout out to Amazon Prime for yeah. having just tons and tons of unnecessary shit. <laughs> Um, and delivering really dumb drunk purchases to your house for free. Oh, boy. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you're just fucking up, generally speaking. On all levels, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All levels. 
So, I mean, this is, actually, I was drinking a box of wine when I watched this. There Let you me go. Perfect. Forthright. Let's go. Um, 2012 Mayan Prophecies and Crop Circles. Perfect. It's interesting documentary, pretty slow. Yep. Um, <laughs> no. Right? <laughs> Narrated by British people, though, so it is academically fucking on point. Yeah, so cool. it's, it's sound. The science is... 100%. British accent, sound, sound science. Mm-hmm. Um, Peer-reviewed, peer I'm sure. <laughs> British person reviewed. <laughs> Dr. Horace reviewed. <laughs> Here's hoping. Um, but the thing that's really cool about the documentary, like they start off kind of talking about Mayans and Mayans concept of time and how they like a year for Mayans was not what we see as a year. Right. It was like the typical gestation period for a human being. Um, oh, whoa. Yeah. Like I think I want to say like 250 days or something along this line. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So they got this clock that's, um, it's like all interwoven together. I don't even remember the name. I'm not going to try to pronounce it cause I'm going to completely fuck it up. Mm-hmm. But, um, this clock basically, it's a super complex deal where it's almost gears put together and that's how it determines the years. Okay. Um, this was something that they, they physically built? This was not just like a, a yep. depiction of, okay. They they had it, it as like a mechanism, and they also had um, pictures of it all over the place. Sure. But just like that, that was how their measurement of time. Um, so you get into kind of these crop circles, and now these crop circles, again, turned up in England. Mm-hmm. One of the shires, which I'm glad you guys hit me to that, because I didn't know what the fuck that meant. It's where Frodo and, and them stay. Fuck the Frodo. <laughs> no, I, I have seen The Hobbit. I fucked with The Hobbit, man. Um, uh, that was good. Never read the books, but... Yeah, it's fine. I, I rock with the movies. They're who, too who reads? I own the books. I got them for Christmas gifts, man, as a kid. It's a lot of work. <sighs> fucking trash. Worst <laughs> gifts ever. Give me fucking books about midgets and fucking <laughs> the hillsides. Um, midgets. <laughs> Some Mel Gibson drop, man. Yeah. yeah I'm, sorry. I went too heavy on the Mel in the first slip thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it easy. Um, but yeah, so this image showed up in the hillside. And it was another one of those ones that, like, geometrically, it was really, really crazy. Um, now, they were saying this was straight up aliens. There's no way that it couldn't have been. And the whole thing was, what, 2012 was coming. The world was about to end. This is Mayan clock. Yep. So this is where some of the things about it get kind of suspect to me. Because we're we're still here five years later, you mean? Right? Yeah. Like, somebody just said ISIS, it. though, so maybe that's what they meant. Maybe they meant in 2012, ISIS was going to show up. That makes sense. Yeah. We have to explain that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because we have to. <laughs> we didn't talk about the fact that this dude we keep referencing, if you do go Google or YouTube Dr. Horace Drew, he makes some... Pretty wild uh, assumptions slash leaps, or are they about <laughs> about aliens using crop circles to warn us about ISIS via pictures of sharks? Yeah, and Celtic knots. It's yeah. pretty ridiculous. That dude is he's a doctor though. Just yeah. to clarify for the homie Spencer, not Doctor Drew though. <laughs> yeah, well, kind oh, of. Or Doctor Phil. Ooh. Just to clarify that Spencer doesn't actually think that ISIS is. <laughs> don't think ISIS yeah, is real. Don't, why? Why are you speaking for me, bro? <laughs> Wait, is ISIS not real? Oh, ISIS is real. You're trying to get oh. your fucking head chopped off? <laughs> yeah, say, this is probably a bad idea. Don't say no. <laughs> Moving on. All right, so anyway, prophecies that yeah. didn't come true. So the the timing of it was really coincidental with this 2012 Mayan prophecy. So all this kind of new information about Mayans and doomsday stuff, right? So when it showed up, I want to say it was 2007. Um, nonetheless, they were just talking about the complexities of this and somebody being able to make... Again, kind of how we were talking about the artists. You're that familiar with Mayan kind of 
I don't say history, but Mayan concepts of time. Yeah. That you're able to recreate this calendar to correlate with all these different things going on. Um, and I, I wonder about the concept of time in relation to these two, because if, if we're if we're going with this is aliens from some other planet around some other star that's coming here physically to try and communicate with us somehow. It would have to be on a larger time scale than we're used to thinking it. If we were to go to any other planet, even at an extremely fast speed, we're getting there at hundreds, thousands, millions of years from now. Yeah, true. And so even if we could vi- like somehow visually see that planet and know, okay, there's X amount of oxygen or whatever elements in the atmosphere and we know there's life there by the time you get there you're you're thousands of not millions of years past whatever you observed yeah so trying to communicate with us about specific time time specific events and current events and stuff that's going on right now doesn't really make sense to me if you think of it in like a nuts and bolts aliens are talking Mm -hmm. to us by drawing pictures in fields kind of way yeah yeah it does it does feel a little bit human in a way to like to to reference some of that stuff. I don't think it necessarily I, rules out all paranormal things either. Maybe it's more of a dimensional whatever yeah. or time is not linear in the way that we think of time being linear or whatever. Or uh Dr. Horace Drew's theory, which is that there's a possibility that uh crop circles are humans or are potentially humans but they are time-traveling humans who only have a certain level of ability to interact with our time, so they're trying to leave messages in the cornfields after so the, traveling the most back in time. most effective use of your time is to flat, <laughs> smash a bunch yeah. of wheat. Flat, <laughs> flatten some wheat uh, five years before 2012 happens. Extra cryptically. Yeah. Extra cryptically. Like I'm traveling yeah. in time and shit, and I'm a human. Right. But and I'm, you want it to be temporary, too. You want to make sure it's only there for a maximum of, yep. like, two months. Can't see it. Yeah. Uh, there is a theory out there too, though, that the, the whole alien phenomenon is actually us from a different, a different time. Yeah. I've heard that one before, which I enjoy a lot. It's pretty cool. I saw a video on that. I'd use air quotes for video mm. where it was like some garbled dude in, they, uh, they got this guy. Well, I say guy, but being alien. Right. Got this alien and he's talking about, they are advanced humans. But he's an alien? Or he's an advanced he's just human. More evolved, yeah. He's oh, an okay. advanced human that okay. came back in time, fucked around and made a crop circle or two. Yep. Talked got, to Bob Lazar and then went back to his time. Yep. And <laughs> yeah. gave us the iPhone and bounced. Saying <laughs> yeah. that are the fucking Autobots and Decepticons. Well, we're getting there. Here's hoping. No, no. I want to. I want to watch that boxing match in real life. Yikes! I just want that Corvette, man. <laughs> yeah, that's Camaro. Just give me Bumblebee and. Get out of here. Or the coon bots. I'm a fan of the coon Whoa. bots. Uh, you guys not up on the coon bots? I, mean, I bet Mel is. Oh, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Mel had something to do with writing the coon bots in. No, oh, man! <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, though. Check oh. out Transformers 2, man. I want to say it's 2 or it's Michael Bay. It doesn't oh, fucking matter. Oh, <laughs> I do know what you're talking I'm about watch now. Any of the Transformers I know what movies. you're referencing now. I haven't heard it referred to as such. Oh, the coon bots, man. Classic. That's... <laughs> I was watching it with my girlfriend at the time, her son. I took him. I literally was cursing out loud in the film. Like, like in, oh, in the theater? Yeah, with a fucking, like, an eight-year-old. You're saying... I'm like, man, what the fuck is this? Like, 
You're saying because one of the one of the Transformers is like a very racist portrayal. Two of them. Two of them. Two of them. They are the Coon Butts. For those of you not familiar, Coon is a think of Ben Carson. That's a Coon. Um, <laughs> Wait, so Ben Carson was a Transformer? He, that's that's, that's might a pretty as well good be, summary. Yeah. Or a lizard. Uh, Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> Shapeshifter Transformer. We're talking Beast Wars now, man. <laughs> Next level of shit. Wow. I forgot about that until you just said that. All right, um, can can we can we push further into ancient alien land? Yeah, let's. We we've already uh, we've already gone off the rails down to Transformers. Right. Uh, I'm just gonna don't mind me. I'm just gonna leave my <laughs> microphone on while I eat this pineapple. Spencer needs some dried fruit sustenance <sighs> right gonna, quick. It's gonna be a long trip here. You guys so, are in for a in for a rough one. I like that. I like that you decided to wait to eat that right until you were about to start talking. All right, just so chew it all in the microphone too. <laughs> Whatever, you're the one who has to edit it and listen to your own chewing. I'm leaving all this in. Me and Crumb got to have a Pause. conversation until you're, uh, <laughs> you're fully snacked and ready for your journey. Hey. All right, I'm ready. All right, go nuts. So I read a book called The Sagan Conspiracy, as in Carl Sagan. Yeah. Whenever the word conspiracy is one of is one third of the title, you know you're in for a good time. <laughs> and you know Spencer is adding it to his prime reading list. Oh, absolutely bought this off Amazon Prime. Yeah, you did. Uh, the Sagan Conspiracy by Donald Zagaitis. Great Zagutis? name. Zagaitis? Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Donald Zeitgeist. <laughs> uh, Wrote a book about Carl. And the whole thing is based Zygauskas? on... Zagaitis? Yes, Ilgauskas. Zadrunas Ilgauskas. <laughs> <Big> uh, <laughs> wrote a book That's about it. Carl Sagan. And the whole thing is based on this paper that Carl Sagan wrote when he was at Stanford. And the paper was call, called, called Direct Contact Among Galactic Civilizations by Relativistic Interspe- Interstellar Space Flight. Good work, Carl. Yeah. And it was, it was breaking down the likelihood or the possibility of being able to travel in between solar systems within our, within our galaxy or within our universe. What year was this again? This was in 1960-something. So prior to the Arecibo? Arecibo? Correct, yep. And he was basically trying to figure out how likely it was that we would be either that we would be able to travel to other star systems and other planets or that other intelligent beings from other star systems and other planets would be able to travel to us. Okay. And he based it on the uh, a couple of things, the first of which was the Drake equation, which if you're not familiar, was a an equation or more of sort of a thought experiment put forth by uh, Frank, Frank Drake, is that his first name? And he put forth this equation, so to speak, that could help estimate the uh, the amount of intelligent beings in the universe. Okay. And there are a lot of factors, but it factors in things like how quickly stars form within a certain galaxy, the number of stars that have planets orbiting them, the number of planets that have environments that are favorable to life, so things like water and, sure. you know, with it being within a certain temperature range, so on. Yep. Uh, the fraction of those planets on which life does develop. So even if all of those elements are there, how often does life actually happen? Yep. The fraction of those planets on which intelligent life develops, intelligent life with manipulative abilities, so giraffes probably aren't getting off planet. Trees are not getting off planet. 
I just had an amazing image of like two giraffe astronauts. <laughs> giraffe astronauts? Yeah, we'll workshop yeah. it. Okay. And then finally, uh, the fraction of those planets in which a technologically advanced civilization develops. Okay. So basically, you just keep narrowing it down and multiplying all these probabilities by each other. So that he can come to some conclusion about whether or not we could be visited by aliens or we could go visit some aliens. Yes. All right. And unless one of those probabilities is zero, you're going to get some number. Yes. So unless you say that zero technologically advanced civilizations develop or that zero planets have conditions uh, favorable to life. Sure. So drastically smaller and smaller numbers, but it's going to be more than zero. Yeah. Yeah. So Carl figured this out based on his estimations. Um, He also figured out that if you were to accelerate at one G so on, if you're on the ship, you would feel what would feel like the normal forces of gravity acting on you based yeah. on your acceleration to the midpoint of your journey. So say you're going from Earth to some other star system mm-hmm. to see if there are aliens there and interact with them and draw shit in the dirt for them to see. Yep. If you accelerate at 1G to the midpoint of your journey and then decelerated for the second half of your journey, all points in the galaxy are accessible within the lifetime of a human crew. So one lifetime's worth of people could get on that ship and reach any point in the galaxy due to relativistic time dilation. Because as you're accelerating faster and faster, time is going slower and slower for you. So those people on that ship could make it to any point, excuse me, any point within the galaxy within one lifetime. So if you were to put a couple Mm. generations of people... Yeah. I'm 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 here. It's all extremely I'm, I'm hypothetical. Humming, but I'm here. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So between those two things that there are almost certainly advanced technologically advanced civilizations somewhere in our galaxy. Yep. And the fact that any point in the galaxy should be eventually accessible by those civilizations even at our <clears throat> close to our current level of technology. He concluded that there's a statistical likelihood that Earth has been visited by advanced extraterrestrial civilizations at least once during our history, and that the li- the number was likely closer to several thousand. Several thousand times? Yeah. Say all that to say that Carl Sagan was an ancient alien enthusiast, so to speak. <laughs> Makes he, sense. He was a believer. Now, aren't we all? Yes. If you take this this book at face value, uh-huh. uh which you may or may not want to do. <laughs> he puts forth uh-huh. the the argument that Carl Sagan, who was heavily involved in SETI, which was searching for extraterrestrial life through radio signals, yes, actually thought that searching for uh, clues left behind, or like texts or uh, artifacts left behind by extraterrestrials that had been to Earth before, finding those things or references to those things in ancient texts was actually a better way to seek out the existence of extraterrestrial life than shooting radio signals out into space and listening for radio signals. Like Stonehenge. Perhaps. That's part one. Carl Sagan thought that ancient aliens had likely been to Earth in the distant past. It gives me like some level of personal human comfort that Sagan is like 
one of the smartest people to ever be a people and is like statistically pretty sure that that's a thing that's happened thousands of times yeah like potentially thousands of times that gives me some level of like i don't know comfort or general positivity i guess yeah he was into some really and we've talked about this on the show before i think but he was into some pretty out there shit yeah yeah and some he was very comfortable taking big hypothetical leaps at least as a starting point and then trying to back it up cool Later in his life, he was involved in a program in 1974 that sent a radio message into space uh, broadcast at a specific globular star cluster called M13. And this message was called the Arecibo message. And which I think we talked about on what if what if you could communicate with extraterrestrials or whatever we called that episode. With yeah, Max. and whatever number episode that was. Yeah, we're Go really, back. We're it's really in there. prepared. We don't have that many. <laughs> you can find there. it. It's Nine or ten or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with Frank Drake, we re- referenced earlier, they put out this message, shot it uh, how many light years away? Many, many light 25, years away. 25,000. Thank you. 25,000 light years away. So it hasn't even gotten there yet. <laughs> um, and this message consisted That's of... pretty wild. It won't get there for so, a long, long time. This, this message had the numbers one through ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, the atomic numbers of the elements hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and phosphorus. Yep. Which are the elements that make up our DNA. Yep. And the formula for sugars and bases in the nucleotides of DNA. Yep. The number of nucleotides in DNA, so a bunch of stuff about our DNA. A graphic figure of a human, uh, including the, the average dimensions, like so physical height and stuff, of a, of a human. And the human population of Earth. A graphic of the solar system in indicating which of the planets the message is coming from. Yep. And a graphic of the radio telescope from which they had sent it. All right. Yeah. So it all shows up as a bunch of little dots on a grid, basically. And now, do you want to mention the fact that it looks like a 1980s video game? <laughs> it does look a lot like Qbert. Uh, a lot of little colorful dots on a black background. Looks very much like an early 8-bit video game. Yeah. It's like Pong. Breakout, kind of maybe. Kind breakout yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so ahead of their time, 74, they invented Breakout. Trendsetters, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- they shot this out 25,000 light years away. It'll get there in about 25,000 years. Um, to, to that specific location. There are locations yes, in is, between that have received it, if you well, will. Or had the, it, had it has, the opportunity to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And based on our technology. That was the one thing I found interesting about it. Right. That's assuming that other advanced civilizations would use radio waves to communicate, which sure. I don't think is a given at all. Or that they don't have a way of accelerating the reception of radio waves. Well, that would require moving faster than light, which would change all sorts of things about how we understand Tell the you, world. Gaia. Yeah, they got some shit on there about that. My man Grant Wilcox, David Wilcox, got some shit, David Wilcox. So we maybe received a response to the Arecibo message in 2001 uh, via Crop Circle, of course. Yeah. Found near the uh, Chilbotan, the Michael Bolton Radio Telescope in Hampshire, in UK. Fucking best... Best one ever. <laughs> so we're we're in a different different shire, yep. Hamp- Hampshire. Yep. And the Michael Bolton Radio Telescope. Sweet. Um, it's the largest radio telescope in the UK. Wow. And it's in the middle of a field. Cool. Next to the field 
a crop circle appeared that looks very similar to the Arecibo message that Carl Sagan and Frank, Frank Drake shot out into the ether. It's more of like a crop rectangle, right? Like it's not this. It's not a crop circle in the way that like the ones that we've been talking about, like the geometry of circles. Right. And lines it's and stuff. uh. It's a. It is a rectangle, probably uh, maybe a six to one ratio. Okay. And it looks very similar to the to Arecibo message, except a few things are different. The main things that are different um, are that something, some parts of the DNA have changed. So okay, because we sent them our DNA. Right. In, in radio form. Yes. So and, the DNA on the response has shifted. The numbers 1 through 10 are, are there in the same, same order, so apparently they also use a base 10 system. Sweet. Con- convenient. <laughs> um, <laughs> the atomic numbers have changed, indicating that their DNA is maybe based on other elements. Mm. Um, the picture of where, well, where there was a picture of a human, there's a cute little kind of squid looking alien. <laughs> Squidward is hanging out in the middle of squid it. Squid billies, y'all up on the squid billies? Nope. I don't watch squid billies either. Uh, you don't, nope. you guys don't rock with the adult swim. Not, uh-uh. not thoroughly, no. So they, they changed the, the, the guy to a little squid guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the population values obviously changed, so they told us that they have they have more of their squid people than we have people people. Uh oh. Um, Uh-oh. they have an additional strand of DNA, which I said. They told us that they were uh, in a different. They were the fourth planet in their solar system, and that perhaps other planets in their solar system have life as well. Cool. It's and then there. they gave us some big weird creepy eyeball looking thing at the bottom where our radio telescope had been. And one of the things with this, did you see that picture that was, or that circle that was made a couple days prior? No. There was one that was like literally in the same, same field near this, this telescope, right? It was um, a humanoid face. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. And the weird thing was that was like days prior to this occurring. I didn't know that. Yeah. So in the same field, there was a big, humanoid kind of gray alien looking face is this the one with the disc there's like it's like the gray alien face and then kind of in like the foreground uh-huh. there's a round circle no uh-huh. i know what you're talking about but it was not that same one okay um so we we maybe got a response to the arecibo message that there are millions of squid people living on the fourth planet of some solar system that's uh what would it be so 74 to 2001 is how many years? Twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they would be half of that away from us. So thirteen and a half light years away from us, they would have intercepted it and sent us something back. I guess this is going to be a real dumb question, but like, don't our don't our telescopes we we've been able to like identify things that are further light years away, right? Than thirteen. Yeah. 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 Quite a bit. So so like. All right, so we would like see their planet then, right? Well, I guess it would. Hey, Ryan, Ryan, aliens didn't make this picture in the cornfield. Okay, I was trying. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was trying to help. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to help the storyline along. I was trying to find a way. Like, okay, so they were like they were flying through and they intercepted it, and they were like, "Oh, cool, we should go tell them." I guess that, our, yeah, about yeah, our squids. If, if if they were. Uh, if they weren't stationary on their planet, but they were just passing by and picked up our signal, or to again, Carl's if you, point. you get into the elements of time, they're like, maybe it's not linear, and people don't perceive it the same way. The same way, or maybe 
we shot it through a wormhole or a black hole that we didn't know was there and it ended yeah. up somewhere else or or they know how to travel a little faster than the speed of light or they're dark matter beings and we can't even see them i read a stat recently and i'm probably going to misquote it as i as i quote it but i read something to the effect of like is it true that 80% of uh outer space is like dark matter that we can't like see or fully understand is 80 the real number i, I think, think that's i think it's more than that actually is it Mm. So I was just me thinking about like you guys remember Truman Show? Yeah, I love the Truman Show. It's a That's great film. Great, fl- great flick. I've seen that movie. Woo! Are you two for two today? Signs and Truman Show. Signs and Truman Show. Hey. Come at me, bro. Great work. Thank you. But just with Truman, how like they their got like his world was literally that controlled environment. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder if like you did just get into a plane or a ship and you flew it far enough, would you just rip through some paper? No, mm-hmm. you'd run into the ice wall, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so this is assuming you can get off the earth because no, we're you, on a flat you, earth right? you can't because they're because of the ice wall uh, man i'm not even up on the ice wall who is this a flat earther deal this yeah. is a flat earther deal. that's how that's how the water doesn't <laughs> fall off the edge of the flat earth <laughs> brilliant <laughs> there's just a big wall of ice around the whole edge of it so that we can't fall off <laughs> just like in the truman show he goes out in the sailboat <laughs> and, and he runs into the edge and then uh ed ed gein nope what's his ed helms Ed Helms speaks to him oh, from the sky. Oh, man. <laughs> Wrong Ed. Oh, man. Bad. I'm having trouble with names today. That's all right. The other Ed talks to him from the sky and tells him they just <laughs> ran into a wall. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of the moment that Crump heard the ice wall theory because he was hype for a second. <laughs> like, I'm telling I'm you, so, flat earthers. I'm so hype right now. I'm so hype right now. Oh right. yeah, we do. We we gotta do a flat Earth episode. I know we, we've mentioned it a couple times. But we've got to, like I just I've gotta done, find the right group for it because it's like it's really yeah. hard to take it seriously because it's so obviously stupid. Which is not super far away from what we've done today. Like, no, it's a fun thing to think of. I guess not to not to fully bring it back around, but like I think crop circles and the flat Earth theory is like it's a fun one to think about, and there's some interesting conversations and like interesting sets of research and people who have gone deeply into things. But at the end of the day, it's really hard to not, it's really hard to be like on the side of aliens are visiting us and drawing shapes in our, I, in our wheat and then leaving. Yeah. To go back to the, I, the, the, the one, the one aspect of that, that I could maybe buy into. Yep. And, and we were talking about this the other day. If, cause, cause I always get back to like, what, what would be the point? And right. there really doesn't seem to be one. Right. And with a lot of the UFO and a lot of the paranormal stuff, like why would UFOs come and just kind of hang out in the sky and then disappear or like take one person and stick something up their nose and then put them back? (laughs) Like that's not how you would communicate with a, with a a alien race or with ghosts where you're, you're just going to hang out in the basement and like knock on the pipes every couple of days and you're never going to do anything. Like none of it makes sense. And I think with the crop circle stuff, one of, one of the things that always gets me you wouldn't be able to communicate with a species from a different planet that evolved totally differently from you that has evolved for millions of years or billions of years longer than you. Yeah. We would have no common ground with them. We're not going to be able to just speak to them or even necessarily see them or realize that they are an intelligent thing in our presence. Sure. And I look at kind of like a, uh, I use the analogy of like a, a Zen riddle where the, it intentionally doesn't make sense or seems contradictory or paradoxical. Yeah. In an effort to get us thinking about things differently and to maybe slowly 
bring us up to a level where we could acknowledge that this other thing exists right and be able to eventually interact with it and that would fit with the idea of the time scale time scale too if you're traveling thousands or millions of light years and your species has been around for millions or billions of years what's a thousand years wait to communicate with with a different race that's nothing right right you can spend a hundred years trying to bring humans up to speed to see if maybe you can like share some information with them right so the idea is that this is an intentional disruption put forth into our culture and our society just to like like basically make the needle skip kind of out of the out of the normal pattern of like what we understand reality to be and yeah, yeah i mean i think it's i think it i think it's interesting too like and we talked a little bit about this as well the other day but like the concept of how you know early on in the ufo sort of phenomenon roswell whatever it was like nah it's a weather balloon no nah, that was a that was a helicopter flyover like there was a very regular set of very public denials by the government or by groups of people to be like that's not a thing that's not a thing that's not a thing or here's why it's explainable it's explainable explainable and now like they just like don't really explain things anymore like no one you know every time someone catches a real weird glitch in space or like the boomerang on nasa footage nobody's got nobody's out there like that was this thing and this is what's happening like well it's because we've sufficiently mocked people that bring that stuff up right there now, is now you don't have to do any of it because the the society as a whole does it for you because right. the term conspiracy theorists that in and of itself is like discredited right the hugely negative connotation with all that stuff right yeah. and there there's no way that there's there's got to be something to at least one of those yeah you know like there there's way too much going on with ufos and all paranormal things and all conspiracies for 100 percent of all of them to be 100 percent false right but it doesn't matter because so many of them are absurd and we openly mock anyone who like goes down that path at all. Right. That now, yeah, the government doesn't have to waste their time with it. They're above it. Right. Because you've just established like that. That's all just silly. Sure. And those people are all crazy. Yeah, man. No, I completely agree with you. And I think too, with uh, like, and this is kind of what I meant. I was almost like pre-apologizing when we opened the episode by being like, this is a phenomenon that gets openly mocked. Like we're doing an episode about this. Yeah. But like, it's, I think it's an interesting conversation to have to your point too. Like, is it a Zen riddle? Like, could it be magnetic pull shifts? Like, I don't know. Probably not. It's probably, it's probably drunk British dudes in, in fields, like making art essentially. Like it's just art, right? It's just huge canvas art school art, but like, but it's fun to, it's fun to contemplate, I guess, all of the, all of the ins and outs of it. But yeah, I do feel like it's been vilified in a lot of ways to even contemplate, to even say, yeah, well, that's all this stuff. Right. There was a, um, on some of these documentaries that I've watched. This, now, one of the things I feel like so ridiculous with these documentaries is that they just throw out these numbers <laughs> and there's no, like, this is where this number came from. Yeah. Oh, some some of the mockery is definitely deserved. Oh, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. Like Dr. Horace Drew can just. He had it coming. <laughs> he knows everything, though. <laughs> According to him. <laughs> Man. But yeah, the, the science behind it. It's like they said 80% are fake. Right. Like, and so. That twenty percent, we're talking twenty percent of what, what would you say six thousand? Uh, ten thousand total documented. So two thousand of those are valid according to this logic, the science. And, and we don't know what valid means. Other other than they either express some signs of not being created by humans. Now, 
one thing cool with how we kind of talk about the Stonehenge piece mm-hmm. is that I want to say I, there's some other number, man, but the majority of them in like that region were over aquifers, like directly over aquifers. I mm-hmm. I heard some interesting stuff about this too, like the relationship to water, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. And like because of that, and when they looked at Stonehenge, they're like, okay, it's kind of in a similar, like where it's laid out at. Mm. And there's a, I don't even remember the name of the the structures near Stonehenge. Saw it on Ancient Aliens. So I know you guys know about it. I do. <laughs> it is. I still not seen all of Ancient Aliens. Starts with an A. There's, there's no end. I know what you're talking about. But it's like all those I things. Got, I got the DVD set, bro. If you want it. <laughs> What's up the standard definition? You don't got Blu-ray? Hell no. Of course you do. I watch all my weird sci-fi shit in standard definition, man. If I could get VHS tapes. That's the way to do it. Oh, squiggly lines. Yeah, it keeps it keeps it like on. You gotta keep the quality of of the visuals on par with the quality of the material. <laughs> you know, I dig these, it. these bullshit eighty percent numbers don't deserve HD. Neither does Horace's face. We can't <laughs> can't be seeing Giorgio Salukalos and Eric Von Daniken in HD. Nah, man, man you need Giorgio on HD. Nightmares, bro. <laughs> that hair. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right, man. Thanks for talking about art school for. Gray aliens with us. Hey man, appreciate it. Appreciate it. It was uh, I don't have the vocabulary to express <laughs> how trill this shit was. <laughs> I, I I will also express to you uh that we're glad you're okay after we tried to record this episode a few days ago and a Minnesota snow car accident uh got crumped into a, a fender bender. I destroyed a woman's Honda uh, <laughs> in my Cadillac. That's why you buy American. <laughs> We're just glad you're okay. And thanks for doubling down and coming again to make it happen. Oh, definitely. All right. Uh, This has been the What It Podcast. Till next time. We'll see you soon. Peace. Love you. Bye. We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast.